Welcome back to the Better Man, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 115th episode of the podcast. We get a chat to Drew Brees. Coach Brees is the head coach at Center College. He's also the 15U manager of the USA Baseball National Team. Most recently, Coach Brees was named the USA Baseball Developmental Coach of the Year. During his time at Center College, he has set the record for wins as well as the season-winning percentage. Former assistant coach at Birmingham Southern, where during his time there he was part of 10 conference titles, as well as making four straight regional appearances. He's worked on the USA Baseball Coaching Task Force, has been an assistant coach on the 15 national team, and then was promoted here in the 21 as manager. Uh, just a incredible guy. We have a great conversation. Just a ton of things. I, I love the fact of, you know, how the feel of the what Coach Breeze talks about as the quick bake uh, with USA Baseball and getting guys real quickly from the thousand kids you're looking at in June to getting their getting the kids in August ready to compete. Um, to then also running a program full year and and looking at the entirety of that and just to understand the difference. There's definitely a feel there. It's different. You know, it can't be treated the same. Um, but there's definitely unique qualities of both and similarities between both and what we do and what he's doing at a high level at center is also things that he's taken from USA Baseball and how they do that and their gold standard. Uh, and so the standards that he's running at center, there's, there's the very similarities, similar things, uh, which is just a really great perspective and always try to go back and forth between uh, okay well, this is great with USA baseball how does it relate to you uh, this at, at center um, the challenges between the two and you know you're dealing with the best the best talent in the country at a certain age and you know and then you go and it, going back and forth between the college and, and the USA baseball it's just a unique experience and touch base a lot about that, but then, the, you know, how he's running his program from the standards they're doing it, creating a vision for the program, bringing in the personal side, the, the student side, bringing in, the, of course, the baseball side and marrying all those things together, uh, types of lineups he likes to create, the scrimmages he's doing, playing coach with scrimmages and kind of their philosophy during the week, and then fit, wrapping up with a lot of just advice for assistant coaches, head coaches, things that he's doing and things that he believes. And uh, it was just a ton of fun. I really can't thank him enough. I just can't just like I can't thank enough our, our guys at Netting Pros. Uh, the guys at Netting Pros are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital wall graphic padding, Windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting pros continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums that are throughout the country. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all the latest products and projects. So big shout-out to them. Thanks again, Coach Breeze. And... Enjoy it. Took a, took a great notes. You can always find the notes on Podbeam. And without further ado, here he is, head coach at Center College, the 2022 
USA Developmental Coach of the Year, Coach Drew Brees. I think I think it's USA Baseball's way of of getting really good people involved with their programming. Um, so it typically starts out like it started with me in 2013 uh, on the scouting task force, and you know my first my first interactions were going down to Florida and kind of watching watching tournament games, trying to identify players that could potentially play for the national team, and that's that's really what I did just for the first couple of summers. Um, and then started to move up from there. They actually um, asked me in 2015 to work with the 14U developmental team. Um, and there's there's no international play at the 14U age group. Um, so they, they asked me to, to be involved with the developmental team, which is 40 kids that come to the National Training Complex in North Carolina. They go through a very similar uh, series of events as the 15U national team would go through. They you know, they, they train in the morning, they play in the afternoon, they go through media training, they talk about nutrition, they talk about college recruiting. There's typically some event uh, tied in with, um, you know, something related to, you know, serving countries. So like a trip out to the National Guard to see all the Apache attack helicopters. Um, so I got involved doing that uh, and then and then kind of bumped up to the staff level from from there. So yeah, there's, there's a pool of names. I don't know how many it is, probably 20, 30 names in a year. Um, you know, any, any, which, uh, any four of which can end up serving on the coaching staff. Hmm. And cause every year those staffs change, right? They are like, they announce who the, who the managers are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be, so there's it's not like manager, there's rarely, is there a manager that, that kind of repeats it? It happens from time to time. But it, it's very rare for a manager to, to kind of go back and, and repeat in back-to-back years. Okay. So it's you saying like you're – but in your role, so like you could – you're probably not going to be the 15U national coach, but like you could – so you could probably maybe be assistant coach like on the 17 team or like maybe follow like with the 16 now next year? Yeah. You know, most likely we, we everybody that's kind of in that pipeline sits around and waits, you know, in, in December, January, February – until USA calls and, and they make uh, the ask and say, okay, man, we would love for you to come and scout the 15U uh, East Championships in North Carolina, or we would love for you to work with the 16, 17U developmental program. And, you know, in a given year, depending on if it fits with a recruiting calendar and what our family's doing in the summertime, mm-hmm. you know, I try and make myself available for whatever, whatever they might need me for. Um, so no, I won't, I won't be back as the manager. Um, but, but I will, if they'll have me back, <laughs> I'll be back in some capacity, um, next summer. Oh, great. That's yeah. awesome. So yeah, just unique. It's just, you know, I think it's, it's all, it's, it just seems that it is such a unique uh, thing and everybody knows USA baseball. It's like, but it's hard to understand like the process of it also. Like it's hard, like you just, people are always just wondering like, how does all this work? You know, like, how does it yeah. make it happen? And it's, and there's nothing like putting USA across your chest. I mean, that is the you know best thing that you can do. And, and it, but it's always like, well, how do you do it? <laughs> and yeah, even if- it's, there's no, there's nowhere where you can look up on a blog or a website and kind of see how you get into it. Um, but yeah, for me and, and for most of the people that I've worked with, it started uh, by, by knowing somebody or, you know, pa- somebody passes your name along and then you start on the scouting task force. And then, you know, you work that week, four or five, six days um, see how you do, and then um, hopefully stick around. And they ask you to come back and do it, do it again the next year. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, very just a uh, very unique, you know, just a very unique, and and it, it should be. I mean, really think about it. You know, you really think about it. There shouldn't be anything like it. No, there there's nothing like it, man. Like you know, I, I you know, I played college baseball. I, I never played pro ball, um, but you know, when you hear guys like Christian Yelich saying that that playing for Team USA is the greatest thrill and the greatest time that he's ever had playing baseball. So, you know, that, that kind of blows you away a little bit and, and also justifies and, and kind of fortifies the feelings that that I have that our coaching staff had last summer down in Mexico that our team had when you put the uniform on and you step out onto the line and the introductions are made and the flag goes up and the anthem plays and you're playing to win for your country. There's there's absolutely nothing like that. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. Um Super. That would be just amazing. It would be a, what an amazing opportunity. But yeah, I just it's just funny. Like just a lot of guys you hear coaches and players, players of long, and it's a tough, it's a tough route, you know. And I know that um, you know, I've been involved in some travel ball and you know, so you know about I don't know about the like the uh, the NTIS stuff as well as like um carry invite when they want they want teams there for that um the team USA um no, that's an invite thing too. That they're gonna make sure they try the best team. So they basically, like you said, they're they're gonna they want the best teams there, so then they can kind of help identify the certain age group of, of players who could possibly be USA baseball kids. Yeah, and that's that's one of the you know for the full time staffers. Obviously, not me, and and usually not the the guys that are on the scouting task force, but the folks that are working in carry year round. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of their job is trying to identify the teams and the individuals that um, they want to kind of funnel into the USA events so that those kids can um, show out and have the opportunity to be seen and um, have an opportunity to earn the, the right to to go to team trials and, and compete for a spot on a national team. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're deep in with the with the travel teams, making sure that they get the best teams to carry that they can, the best teams to uh, the big USA tournament that they hold in Arizona each June, um, you know, kid, the right kids to NTIS, uh, the right kids into the national team development program. So our, the, the full-time staffers there are, are doing an outstanding job of, of just identifying those kids and getting them in the funnel. Nice. I, I, just a couple of things that come in the mind, you think about these kids and what you're doing, like, I guess it's two things, you know, like, What have you learned, I guess, through like your time with USA Baseball that you brought back to center, you know, that you've to, to help it to help, you know, ignite your program or, you know, continue to 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 raise the bar issue today? Yeah, I mean, we, we might need a couple hours to go over that. <laughs> a, a couple things. The, the, the first thing I've learned is that some of the best coaches in the country are at the high school level. So, so some of the guys that I work with on scouting task force or that have been at team trials with me um, that that have actually, you know, I've, I've been on coaching staffs with, with through USA um, are high school coaches. And, and they are some of the best and the brightest and they are dedicated to their craft. Um, and it kind of really gives you an idea of the guys that are doing it on, on a ground level. And, and they do such an outstanding job. So, I mean, I'm, I'm bringing home anything from. Uh, more strategic X and O type scenarios where, you know, we sit around after our meetings are over at night and talk about everything from, 
you know, pickoff plays to bunt defenses to how we teach the swing. Um, and I'm bringing all that stuff back home, little nuggets every time I go to a USA event. Um, and then I think as far as like overall team philosophy type type of things, uh, you know, one of the one of the the best things about USA and one of the most challenging things about USA is that um, they really do adhere to this idea of the gold standard. And when they say gold standard, yes, it means that the expectation is that we win gold in in the World Cup. Um, but it's also an expectation. The gold standard is of just the way you go about doing things. So if you're scouting a game, the expectation is that you're locked in and you're doing it to the best of your ability. And, buddy, you better show up in your meeting with your notes right and, uh, and, and the ability to get your ideas across straight because somebody's going to challenge them in there. Um, and, and so bringing that back home on, on a simple level just means that um, I'm able to talk to my guys more about, about performing at a high level with everything that you do and having that expectation for yourself that whether, you know, whether you're uh, in, in, a, in, a, uh, in a batting practice group or whether you're in an individual defense group or whether you're cleaning your locker, that we're going we're gonna to do it to a really high standard and we're going to hold each other to that, to that standard. Is that something like something you talk about the gold standard? When you first get in there, is that like uh, like everybody hitting you over the head with it? Like you have like these you your USA full time guys like here here's the standard here's what it is like and they kind of necessarily define it or is that what basically you as a veteran coach you might see a new coach that you might not know and that's your job to to hand that over him or is it like I said the full time guys? It's it's both and I can remember my first event like it was yesterday. And meeting with the director of the 15U national uh, team, uh, getting ready to scout for this this tournament in in Florida, and basically his message to the to the scouting task force was, don't don't bring me anything that's subpar. We are the expectation is that we're going to win a gold medal, and so your job is to get out there and find the kids that are going to help us do that. And so whether you're talking about identifying talent level or identifying personal characteristics that are going to uh, help a kid to to um, to compete at a high level on a, on a national team level. That's that was the challenge. And that was in the first team meeting. It was we are not we are not winning silver. We are winning gold. And then from there, you know, it, it does trickle down to the guys that have been around for a long time. You know, at my first event, Butch Chaffin. Uh, was 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 there and he was kind of leading the, the task force. And so Butch kind of was able to translate that message from the director to the the scouting task force and say, hey, guys, here's what he means by that. These are the things that we need to make sure we're doing on a daily basis. This is what we need to go over in our meeting. This is what we need to have eyes on tomorrow. And so that that kind of trickles down from the director level through the the top veteran guys on the scouting task force down to the, to the new guys. Man, what a great, like you think about it, what a great like analogy even for like your team, you know, you go to the center, you know, it's like, they're like, I'm setting the standard as the head guy, you know, our veteran guys should then be, here's how communicating that and possibly let's say quote unquote real terms or kid terms, I guess you could say to kind of then get to the, the freshmen or you could say the newcomers. Yeah. And that's, I think in any, any program, you know, you can mm -hmm. be talking about a corporate setting, you could be talking about mm. football, you could be talking about baseball. That's the type of trickle down that you want to have there. Um, but it, it really only comes when the message is clear, 
and when it's something that everybody can get behind. Um, and I, I'm telling you, like from that first meeting, I was fired up. Like I didn't want to let anybody down. I, I wanted to look at that team playing later on in the summer and, and, you know, know that I did my part in helping them to win a, a gold medal. Um, and so when you, when you set it out like that, uh, it's, it's easy to get on board to create that vision. Uh, so that's, you know, that, when I went in this past year as the manager, that was actually one of the, the first things that I wanted to do was set the vision for the team so that the, you know, our assistant coaching staff could really buy into it and that could trickle down, down into the players. hundred percent. So, and then taking that same philosophy or process, quote unquote process is like what you would do in the center, especially with that first meeting in the fall. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and, you know, for us at center, we meet uh, every fall and, and we, we cover all of our, our standards and expectations for the team. You know, that's, that is the first meeting it's cut and dried and we're going through our, our 10 standards and expectations that we have. The seniors <laughs> uh, are at the point in that fall meeting where they've heard it for the fourth time. Uh, but they know it. They know what the expectations are and, and they're able to turn around. And, and you know, it, it's really what happens on a daily basis that builds all that. Right. It's the mm -hmm. it's the individual decisions that we make um, during the course of the day that that either uh, build that that vision or or deviate from that vision. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the idea of having boots on the ground with the seniors and the juniors kind of passing those messages down. That's how that's how we build a successful program, right? And that's no different than anybody else. Hundred percent. I like how you said that. You know, like you said that, like uh, the individual decision we make every day will help build the vision or deviate from the vision. You know, it's, it's basically essentially what it is. You know. Yeah, because it's not. Uh, you can have all the great meetings that you want, and you can have all the great sayings and 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 quotes posted in your locker room that you want. Uh, but but it really comes down to motivating uh, young people to make decisions for uh, a greater good or for, for a group that's not themselves that's going to build your your success and your chemistry as a team. So like you set the standard and you talk about the day-to-day -day action. And then how do you hold? And if you won't mind, like, I'm, I'm just thinking that because I know the difference. I'll just think of the, the how you're balancing the difference between like your USA holding the standards and then as well as at center. Yeah, it's it's definitely there, there is a different um, feel to it. USA, sure. USA right. is what I call like a quick bake. Um, it's a quick bake team. So, you know, just to kind of let you uh, here, here's a glimpse into how the team was built. Uh, the, the scouting task force and the coaching staff scouted, I don't know, 800, 900, 1,000 players last summer. Kind of kind of had an idea about some guys, but didn't really know everybody that might make it to team trials. Well, out of those, those thousands of players, 72 had to go to team trials. All right. And, and that happened. We, we first started scouting in June. Team trials happened in August. So 72 show up at team trials. Four days later, we cut it to 34. Three days later, we cut it to 20. So from June 6th, the first time I went to Arizona to watch a game, to August 18th, we, we built a team to go compete in an international event. Uh, so it happens really quickly. And then once you get to the 20, you have three days with just that team to, to prepare. 
so it is really quick bake. And so like for me, setting the vision there was like, we have to be ready to do something immediately. Uh, and the idea was we created this vision called One Mission. Everything that we did when we were prepping in Arizona, everything we did once we landed in Mexico, everything that we did preparing for the World Cup was with one mission in mind, and that was to win win a gold medal. So whether we were practicing, whether we were preparing ourselves physically, whether we were sleeping, eating, traveling, whatever, it was with this idea of one mission of winning the gold medal because it has to happen right now. In the college setting, it, it, it happens over the course of years, right? right? So we have more time to kind of... Um, start to develop those ideas. So you can start on smaller levels, you can get into more detail, you can set more expectations. The vision can be a little bit bigger. Obviously for us, it crosses over into the academic realm. It crosses over into the personal realm. It touches the baseball realm as well. So that vision is a little bit bigger and I guess it takes longer to blossom at the, at the college level. I love that. I, I just think that's so real. I, I think that's such a great answer. Like, and, and about just the realization of, cause like, cause it was one mission is like, it's very, uh, it's not process oriented. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's not, it's really focused on the goal. Like that's the goal. Like that's what we're doing. So it's, it's result oriented, you know? And basically what you're saying is then take it, but that's where we can be. Cause it's quick hitting. We know what we're going to do. We're coming here to do it. And then, you're not on board with that. You're going to go, but typically, you know, I understand again, like you said, you have a feel for it. Like it's pretty quick. It's an event. Like let's just go out here and let's go out and win the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, holding those, that standard is, it's, um, you know, the standard is like, you're that good of a player, you know, um, and you're going to go show out. Um, it's the best thing about showing up at the, World <laughs> Cup the best players in the world is, yeah. You feel like you should win. Um, right. And, and so like setting a standard like, yeah, guys, we should win the gold medal because we are the most talented team here. They can buy into that. There's there's no uh, there's nobody questioning. So there, there, there wasn't a lack of confidence in our dugout. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think that's what you said. You That's where you go. I mean, I don't know how much time, like I said, it was pretty quick, you know, to compete. But then, like you said, going to like see the coast guard and doing those kind of things where the guys can realize like, this is what I'm also playing for. I think there's still, still some of that too, that dude, that's why you're able to still be focused and still give your best effort. Cause you're still also playing for that bigger, bigger than yourself. Yeah. And the great part is like so many of those kids have been exposed to the network in USA before. So there were a couple, mm. couple guys that had played on the 12 U national team there were kids that have played in the 14U tournaments or been a part of the 14U developmental program. Um, so they they had already had a little bit of a taste of what what the gold standard was and what was going to be expected of them. And, and it wasn't it wasn't all shiny, bright and new. It was just shiny, bright and new because we were 20 players and four coaches that had never worked together. And and hey, in three days, we're playing South Africa in the first game of the World Cup. So go get ready, boys. Yeah. So do you spend much time like really trying to connect or is it still just just gung ho? Like our connection is just we're just going to keep repping and getting, you know, and just working at baseball. You, connecting with the kids, you mean? Yes. Like you said, just trying to build like we're just trying to figure like we all just kind of got put into this. Yeah, I think you have to, man. Like mm -hmm. so we, you know, even even though it's like it's so quick, uh, we're we're living together, we're eating together, we're on the mm -hmm. bus together. Um, you know, we're, we're practicing in the morning, we're playing at night, 
we have to have a really good feel for what motivates these kids. Um, you know, maybe maybe what sets them off a little bit can get them off kilter. Uh, so establishing a relationship with them is is really important. Um, you know, I was I was trading texts with the kid that closed out our um, our gold medal game last night. You know. And um, I, I hope that we maintain a relationship with these guys going forward because it's 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 um, it's a lot of fun to see them grow and mature as young people, knowing the role that USA Baseball kind of played in their development. So can you with having to do it so quick, you're, you're sure you're probably pretty intentional about it and things like that. So what have you found that helps with establishing that relationship? I think I think it's 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 really just taking the time to get away from conversations about you know uh, load and stride and hip shoulder separation <laughs> um, and and really get into um, you know it, things away from the game. How are you feeling this morning? How's your body holding up? Break you know we really try and break down the walls with them so they feel comfortable in a foreign country at, at the age of 15 with the adults who are kind of supervising them. If they're not comfortable around the coaching staff, man, they're probably not going to have a great experience competing at a really high level in a foreign country. So uh, kind of bringing it down to a personal level. And then when it comes to like the, the, the coaching side of it, you know, rather than trying to change a swing or change pitching mechanics, more just trying to understand their thought process and why they're doing what they're doing when they're doing it so that, when that when that time comes in the game, we can help steer them in the right direction and take all that great talent that they have and, and kind of uh, force it into the right mechanism. That's good. Understanding the right thought process, their thought process to be able to steer them into the. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So in order to do that, you're saying, OK, well, you talk in situations. Are you talking just like, hey, what's your best stuff as a pitcher? Are you talking like, hey, what are you looking for in this count? All of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be, um, you know, I think there was a time toward the end of the tournament when um, we we were we were we got the leadoff guy on. I didn't really want to bunt. Uh, so I just went up to the kid on deck and, you know, we had a pretty good relationship. And I was like, hey, man. Do you, do you like drag here? Do you like hit and run? What do you, what do you like here? He's like, well, I want, you know, I want to see one first. And then if, if I, if we get to one, Oh, then, then let's go hit and run. Um, and so, you know, just kind of getting to that level with them where they can talk it through a little bit. I can know what they're thinking. And uh, yeah, for our pitching coach, especially to, to know what that guy wants to throw when, when he's on the mound. Um you know, a great example of that was was the the gold medal game against Cuba. We're uh, we're up by one, and it's the the last inning, and it's bases loaded for Cuba with one out, mm. and we make a pitching change, um, and and bring in bring in a, a young man named Ryan Harwood out of out of Arizona, and um, you know one one little ground ball the wrong way, one little bloop and and the game's either tied or they're ahead in the gold medal game. And we have one at bat left and our pitching coach called eight fastballs in a row. And Ryan has a really good slider and he called eight fastballs in a row and Ryan struck out the last two Cubans and we won the gold medal, but he knew that that's what Ryan would feel really comfortable throwing in that situation. So that's mm. what we we're going to live and die with. Go get him, big boy, let it, let it eat and, and take him down with the fastball. 
that hadn't come without you know his time with him and how he spent talking to him is it do you what do you build that in coach like what do you build it you build it during practice you're trying to build it in like intentional time to talk to everyone like because i'm sure not every especially 15 year old or not even your college kid just gonna walk into you and just gonna talk to you yeah i mean you hope that they will and there are some right and of course the doors open but we all know that there's that's not for everyone yeah And, and so like i think it starts early like on the field when we're in when we're in a trial setting where Man, you're just trying to grab them in between rounds of BP. Um, you're trying to grab them, you know, during a stretch session. And then, it, it, you know, once you start to build that relationship with them now, you know, when you're in the hotel eating lunch, maybe instead of eating with the coaches, you're going and eating with a couple of players. Mm. Uh, maybe you're grabbing them when you're walking to the bus, you know, and just having a quick chat. Um, but like I said, you're you're living together for a couple of weeks before you go to the tournament through the, through the trials and training process as you cut the team down. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're trying to take advantage of all those, you know, quote unquote dead time um, to, to really, you know, pick, pick their brains. Um, and, and it's crazy how much those conversations come up in the, in the meetings that happen at nighttime. So, you know, we do our whole day. We, the coaching staffs meet at night. There's usually about 12 coaches that meet to help select the, the national team. And those conversations, hey, you know, I grabbed this guy in between a round of BP today. Here's what he said he's feeling when he's at the plate or he's not seeing the breaking ball well. He's not confident when, he, when he's against a, you know, left on left. Um, you know, and, and those conversations really come up quite a bit. So to, to find the time away from the field to break down those walls with them, wherever it is, bus meals, uh, is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. So good. You know, even just to, to be open to those things too, you know, like, I mean, I, I guess how much of that, and, and then again, me going to the school, uh, it's been so, you know, t- like, is because I understand why you know you're on the USA baseball team. Like, hey man, what do you like here? Oh well, you know at center, uh, you know any other regular college. Like, are, is that still is that just your style? Like, where like I guess it just depends on the kid. Uh, you know whether how much maybe control that you have or like you might want to see, uh, or is it uh, still something that someone can earn when you let's putting your your center hat on. Yeah, I mean, back back at center, you know, on the on the pitching side of it, our our pitching coach calls pitches, but our our pitchers have the right and are encouraged to shake whenever they want to. And, and you know, we we call it like collaborative communication. I tell our guys, this is not this is not high school ball. So mm-hmm. yes sir, yes sir, yes sir does not work for me. And mm-hmm. you know, I tell them all the time around that second yes sir, I know I lost you. I, I you know if I'm if I'm explaining. Uh, you know, a swing or, um, you know, a bunt, bunting stance, whatever. And I'm, I'm getting, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's not going to fly for me. That, that does it in high school, but, but not here. And this also isn't, it's not pro ball, like, you know, where you and your manager might just be almost peers in, in some way. We're somewhere in between. And uh, we really, we call that the collaborative communi- communication area where we're going to ask a lot of questions. Uh, you know, why, why do you want to throw a fastball in when we call a slider away? Uh, do you like you like hit and run here? Do you like drag? Do you like push? Uh, do you like swing away? Uh, you know, we, we will talk to them about all those different types of things uh, so that we get a feel for where they are. And I think naturally, just probably like anywhere else, you get a feel for your kids and they earn that trust and ability to 
go out and do things where we take the gloves off a little bit more, the, the older they get and the, and the more trust that they earn. That's, that's good. Um, collaborative communication. Um, so good. You know, especially even just like, cause it's something that you need. Yeah. Both sides need to work at it too. You know what I mean? It's like, you're asking those questions, uh, but they'd certainly have to, be involved and take ownership and, you know, and be able to talk back to them. Um, and then, like I said, earning that trust, uh, huge, huge. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, you and I have both been there when you're 21, you're 22, <laughs> like you don't want a 44 year old dude telling you, you got to do it, you know, this way it's gotta be a, and then B and then C and it's gotta be done in that order. And if it's not done in that order, then, you know, you're out of here, my way or the highway, man. Um, what we need to do is teach teach kids to have ownership and intentionality with their own game so that when they are 21 and 22, they know exactly what to do in a given situation. They feel very confident about their ability to respond to what the game is asking them to do. And they don't need to be led around like a, you know, like a 14 or 15 year old kid might because he just doesn't know the game yet. And he doesn't definitely doesn't know his game yet. Um, by 21 or 22, our guys need to know what the game is asking of them and then what their game is, their strengths and weaknesses in order to respond to that. And I'm telling you over the course of my coaching career, the ones that that can really do that are the guys that are very successful in their college careers. Mm. So you're saying the ones that, that take the ownership and the intentionality, is that what you're saying? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, yeah. the guys that, you know, they, they, they work their game, they know their swing, they're very comfortable in, in, any part of the game so they can, you know, if just take an offensive player, for example, they're very comfortable hitting in a leadoff spot. They're very comfortable in a two out RBI situations. They, they are comfortable putting down a sacrifice bunt. They're comfortable with a hit and run. They're comfortable against lefties. They're comfortable against righties. They're comfortable against different pitch types um, because over the course of their career, they've learned and, and been taught how to, how to utilize their skills so that when they are juniors and seniors, it's just like, yeah, man, I, I got this. You just stay over there in the dugout and watch the lineup card. I, I, I'm fine. You don't, I don't need you anymore. That's, mm -hmm. that's really the goal that we have for them. Isn't it, isn't it the goal, you know, like, I mean, I talk you know, about being a teacher, you know, they are, they're, uh, they're, play, they're, they're student led, you know, the best teams are definitely player led. Um, so absolutely. That's our goal is to where we're not needed. It's me, my job as a dad, you know, like, trying to give them good lessons and be a good example where like you shouldn't need me, you know, and, and, um, you know, I'll always be here, but you know, hopefully they've gotten good enough lessons and create a good enough environment to where we can step back and just watch and enjoy it. You know? Yeah. My, my wife and I had a, had a talk recently. Uh, so I have, I have a son who's, who's 19 and I have daughters who are 14 and 11 and we, we had a dis, this discussion and it was, um, you know, we never really talked about this in 19 years of parenting, but but somehow, some way, I think we've ended up on the same wavelength of what what is your goal for your kids? Mm -hmm. And um, some parents might say we want our kids to always feel secure or mm -hmm. we want our kids to um, have a lot of joy in their life. And for my wife and I, we both kind of came to this answer independently, but have obviously worked together on it. We want our kids to be prepared. Um, and, and so like, that's our number one job that we, 
when when we think of what we want to do as parents is to prepare them and give them the skills that they need to be successful in life. So my son, who's a sophomore in college, decided to go 17 hours away from home to go to school. Mm. And for me, like that, that made me feel really good that maybe he has the skills to go off and live his life independently and, and be be pretty successful doing it. Coaching's not all that different, right? Like that's we want to give our kids the skills to be successful in the game that we're coaching them. Um, you know, for us, it's it's baseball. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's why, like, I remember the shift that I had taken, like being such the drill guy and breaking it all down to like, we got to do more games. Like we got to, we got to do more situational, like live stuff. Cause that's like, that's what they need to be prepared for. You know, we got, I got to help them being better prepared for that. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can look as good as we want to catch a ground ball and say, but like, if it's not four, two, if it ain't four, one, and we're not feeling that you're a wreck coming game time. No doubt. You know? And then I, I just find it so interesting too, like baseball, we have a hard time and it's like this myth of like, just playing the game you know we break it a lot down you know like but you wouldn't ever go to a basketball practice and not see him scrimmage and playing five on five you know and things like that or like you know football is different when you got pads on and th- like they got a scout team so they can they can hound they can do stuff you know what i mean like i just find it very interesting you know like where it's it's still guys trying to like like you're just hitting a fungo to a guy throwing across a bit and there's nothing going on and like that's a practice and like <laughs> it's like how does that even th- thought of like because other sports it would be you know what I mean? It would just be, it would be very different. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's just different. And, and, you know, the taxing toll of pitching and what that does, and it limits the number of true reps that we can get. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we try, we try to play, um, you know, if, if we have three games in a week and, and um, you know, we're, 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 or I'm sorry, four games in a week, three games in a weekend, one game midweek, we're still going to play another coach pitch scrimmage or two during the course of the week. Um, and, and we may even get some live at bats, for our guys that didn't swing a lot on the weekends against, against guys that may be rehabbing or, you know, kind of down the line pitching, but we want those, we want those live reps as much as possible. And I think that's kind of the way you, you look at a lot of major division one programs and man, it's, they, they were, they do skill work for a little bit, but it's a whole lot of inner squad. Like that's what they're doing with their training time. Yeah. I mean, it, it also is like, and that should tell us because like they're very limited you know, in certain high schools, the lower levels, you have more open freedom for your practice. But they're very limited. Um, and so what are they doing? They're playing. Yeah. You know, there's no playing. substitute. Right. You know, and trying to get it there. But yeah, you have to manage your arms. It's going to take some organization within your arms and like understanding like arms and like have a plan of like the week and where you're going. And mm-hmm. this guy can't throw out 60 pitches, you know. And I think it's a big reason why you're seeing a lot of like even pro guys like looking to hire like BP pitchers you yeah. know like like a guy that can get on the mound and deal a little bit you know and like get after some guys i think there's definitely some value into that but it's just like i said i, I think it's just for me like why is it so different you know uh it, it then between all the sports because you wouldn't see other sports that it's not not play a real game no no it's it's definitely different for for the for the game of baseball without a doubt yeah and i think we're doing a great job i think guys are just you know get more creative you know, and playing the game more and being okay with it. Like we're playing, you know, it doesn't have to, you know, I think we'll talk a lot about, you know, I think guys are doing like shorter bases during coach pitch scrimmage. Like I said, coach, but you can put them in a one Oh count or you're doing a two strike mm-hmm. count and you're creating pressure, 
you know, making the game faster, um, you know, and thing and things like that. You know, I think that's something we definitely have to do. Yeah. One thing our guys did this fall and and they kind of did it without us. Um, it was, it was uh, before we really got going with our full team practices um, just created a machine pitch league. And so, mm. we, you know, where our hitters were divided into three teams, the, the gold team, the white team and the black team. And they all played at least twice a week, you know, just a machine pitch scrimmage league. And, you know, they set it up at, um, you know, at 50 feet at, you know, whatever it was, 84 at 50 feet, whatever the simulated velo was. And um, man just got after it for eight or nine innings, depending on the day. That's cool. Cause yeah, they take, you take pitching out of, out of the case and then you, yeah, you just play and someone's dropping it in there and yeah, they can work on it a lot, you know? And that's what I love about the machine. And it's funny how, like, wasn't there a period there where like, no, you didn't want to use the machine. Oh, I still have guys that are like, no, not the machine. <laughs> yeah. But even like for me, as a coach, like I was like, oh, I don't like the machine, you know, I'm going to throw or I'm going to hit it, you know, like I'm going to do this and that, you know, like, but now I just think it's a little shift of like, use that machine, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's nice when um, like you have a belief in it, in, which I do in, in the machine. And then, um, you know, you, you kind of get backed up when when the kids are turning on Twitter and they're they're looking at spring training and they're seeing the the big hack attack out there and these guys prepping in spring training off off the hack attack it's like see you know they're they're doing it too fellas absolutely that's cuz honestly it's it's funny like cuz I always tell guys like yeah i can get on you at 35 40 feet but like there's something for the machine like to see it at 60 feet and see the velo from that like and track it like there's something to that i know i can simulate it from 40 you know but like to, to, to see the curveball and, and 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 get it and drop it in there and what it is and and it just there's something for me about the tracking of it as well you know yeah, seeing it a full length you know like there's definitely something to that especially when you look at you know people talk about decision making and timing and what that comes from like you're messing up timing by silking at 40 feet from a from a pitcher and then you know or, or letting them be able to see it from 60 feet yeah you know yeah. That that spin and the the ability to hold plane, you know, mm. from, from sixty feet is is really important to see tracking, you know, from from forty five feet of BP. Even if I'm throwing firm, it's just not the same spin rate. Um, even if I'm spinning a good breaking ball from forty five feet, it's not the same spin. It's not the same angle. Uh, so to track that stuff from the mound is is really important. Yeah, for sure. I think it's when you start to see like the guys who have that swing that they're swinging right underneath of that, that's that thing that can kind of hold at the top of the zone, you know, and you just see them can't get it, can't get it, can't mm -hmm. get it when it's just, that's their swing. And, and, and they're not, or even just not necessarily the swing is just like, they can't understand where it looks like that ball's coming down, but it just stays. Yeah. It's got the ride to it. Yep. Yep. So that's a, just a unique thing. And one of like, like, is that something like when you, when you talk about, uh, you said like what you've learned a lot through the USA baseball stuff, is that, is that one of like maybe the transitions, like you've been able to help and, and, and like maybe change your course and how you're coaching through like, um, just kind of these processes of like the coach pitch scrimmage and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that whole idea of like shared, shared knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, I think any good coach, and you know, it's a little bit of a cliche probably to say now, but it's, it's a bit of a thief. 
um, mm. and, and USA baseball just gives me, a, uh, an outlet basically to find people to, to steal from. Um, so yeah, whether we're, whether we're talking drills, like I said, or whether we're talking strategy, you know, just, just the outlet of people, the, you know, I, I got a text from a, a good friend of mine, Jason Maxwell down in, in Nashville at the end at Ensworth, um, down there outside of Nashville last week. And we were just talking batting practice structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and just bouncing ideas off each other and, and kicking things back and forth. But yeah, man, it's it's a great outlet. So like, you know, oh, you, you guys do this with your machine or you're going double machine or, you know, down to, you know, if you want to get your settings right on it, here's a chart that you can use. I think somebody gave me mm-hmm. one, one of those one, uh, once upon a time. So yeah, all that kind of stuff just comes from that 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 shared group uh, knowledge of, of getting together and 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 just just basically kicking around baseball. Yep, yep. Just like what we're trying to do here tonight, you know, just no trying doubt. to chop it up and get better. And and um, you know, I just I just love to be able to go back and forth between you know like the um, the quick bake uh, and, 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 you know, your call and your college, your program, you know, cause I think it's such a real thing. Um, you know, and it's such, it, and when I say real is in like, just understanding and again, it's a, such a baseball word, but having a feel, um, having a feel for the two is, uh, is that something that was kind of like in your time kind of learned or again, like a butch came by and said, Hey, you know, here's how I do with my program and here's what it's kind of like here. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely something that um, is distilled over the course of years. So like, you know, I, I, I kind of had a feel that I might be asked to be the manager a, a while back and immediately started talking to guys about, okay, you know, in that setting where you, you name the national team, you train for three days and then you go to compete. What, what, can you reasonably expect to get done? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you're not going to have all these outrageous bunt defenses. You're yep. not going to have all these outrageous pick plays. Uh, you're going to be really limited offensively. And then, and then you just try and keep learning and make it as easy as you can for the kids. So like, you know, we're even, we are at trials last year. We're getting ready to go to Mexico. We had decided on a series of signs offensively to use. And we were talking to the 12U coaches who had been in Taiwan the previous month. And they're like, hey, man, we just went to wristband signs for the kids offensively. It took all the pressure off of them to learn a new set of signs. They they said it was just much easier for them mentally. And I was like, let's go. Let's we're, do it. We're ordering wristbands today, which is something I've never done at center. You know, in 18 years of coaching, I've never done offensive wristbands. But as soon as I heard that, I was like, yep, we got to do that. And then, you know, I would I would text, call, email our, our coaches who I need to mention, um, you know, our, our pitching coach, Rob, Rob Shabansky um, and our assistant coaches, Jeff Sherman and Steve Butler. Uh, and just say, hey, man, here, here's what I'm thinking as far as three basic bunt defenses. Here's what I'm thinking as far as a basic, um, you know, verbiage for cuts and relays. Here's what I'm thinking as a basic fly ball communication uh, verbiage. And so we, you are able to install that kind of stuff in, in two to three days uh, and, and get it rolling a little bit, but anything beyond that is it's, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. So we just kept it really, really simple for the kids. Yep. Yep. And I, and I think, you know, 
because there's a you know there's a knock with like travel baseball and you're going to these different places and it's like you know like well they and it's like when would they when would you really have a time to to do that you know what i mean like when would you really you know there are certain if you're going to stay local and you can practice and you can do those things but like you know guys that are on the circuit um you know doing different things and it's like there is a reality of like how much you can actually put in mm-hmm. um you know, based off of your travel schedules and, you know, the kind of the schedule that you're going to play and the the different types of teams that are out there, you know, and it's like, we can't just bucket all the travel and all in one bucket. There's not all the different. It's just very different. Yeah. There's no, there's no doubt. Like they're, they're so, they're very limited in the summer times with their travel teams and what they're doing strategically. Um, it's basically, we, we know this, it's a show and go, and it is a uh, it is a showcase mentality, you know, where you're trying to show out, show your best skills, even in a team environment. And I get that. And there's a reason for it. And, and I'm not going to I'm not going to knock it. But I, I will say this, man, I was so really proud of our guys with their aptitude and ability to soak that stuff in mm-hmm. so just to. All right. Here's we're, we're going to classroom. Uh, tandem relays for 10 minutes and when we get out to the field in an hour we're gonna we're gonna drill it and these players are so talented first of all but they're smart baseball players man they're 15 and they were really smart so they they took to that stuff really really well so whether it was bunt defense or or a tandem relay like it was it was they made it really easy on us with the way they they went about it yeah this is about being a player you know what i mean like i mean I know we all have our, our guys, but like for me, that's a guy. Like I don't. It's, it's some guys that are just freaks of nature, athletes, and yeah, you're going to take that guy. But that's very few and far between. But like I think, so it makes a really good player, you know, to be able to talk baseball as well as understand it and then be an athlete, you know, amazing player that you are. It is like that guy, the, the, those middle infielders that just they they just get spacing in that tandem mm. relay, right? They they hear it in the classroom one time. And they're able to translate it out on the field or the catcher who's trying to set up that relay. And, and he's screaming out, you know, to, to these guys who are trying to run some type of communication with them. And innately, he gets the feel for the, the verbiage and the timing. And, man, all of a sudden in 10 minutes, it, it's looking like a pretty well-oiled machine. It, it, it was uh, probably a testament to the type of players that they are and the natural talent that they have. Oh, yeah. hundred percent to be able to catch on that quickly and, you know, do those kind of things like when you are on the task force, you know, or, or like looking at games, uh, how much are you able to to pick up on those kind of things? Or is it all basically just raw talent or are you able to pick up on the things like, oh, this guy really understands the game? No, it's it, it's a must. Like you, you have to have an evaluation on on where they are in terms of skill, you know, just raw skill. Sure. How do they hit, run, throw, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but then if you're taking them into a, a meeting and you're going to you're going to talk on them in a, in a meeting for the national team, there needs to be an understanding of what their intangibles are and what their personality is as well. Um, you know, so for your catchers and shortstops, the way that they command the field, are they you know, for a shortstop, are they getting to the right part of the field, um, you know, depending on what the play is asking them to do for their catchers? Are they are they commanding the pitching staff on the fourth day of a tournament when it's 100 degrees are they still showing natural leadership skills that are going to translate to a world cup setting absolutely you have to have an evaluation done on that and be able to speak to it when you get into those meetings okay so yeah so that's still something that you are definitely picking up on where 
yeah, a guy's actions is also speaking to you like how much he understands of the game, leadership qualities, like you said, the intangible piece. For sure, for sure. And you're, you know, you know, at some point, you, you know, it, in these tournaments, when you've watched a kid two and three times, and now you're watching them maybe for a fourth or fifth time, you know where their skill level is. And now you're really bearing down on, on, you know, the intangible ideas, the leadership ideas, the, the personality traits um, to, to really get a feel for what that guy is. Cause man, I mean, I'm telling you, there were 72 kids at trials. There were lots of kids that could have made the 20, what went into finalizing that 20 was making sure that we had the right kids that were going to be on, on board with this idea of going to Mexico. Some of whom weren't going to play. They hit Mm -hmm. third or fourth in their lineup on the, you know, the blah, 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 prime national team. And now they're not, they're going to be a role player. How are they going to respond to all this? You really have to have a feel for that. How do you do that? Like what, I mean, gosh, how do you explain? I know that, but like, like in, are you able to have conversations with that to be like, Hey, this is where we think your role is. Do they have a chance to be like, Oh, like, have you ever been like, man, I don't know if I can deal with that coach or like, I don't care. Like, I just want to, I don't want to, I just want to help, you know, help the team win. Luckily, 99% of it is the, the second part where you just said, man, I, I'm just, I, I just want to help whatever you need me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Landon Sims, who, you know, just, just finished his career at Mississippi state um, was on our team in 2016 in Japan. And Landon had a limited role as a pitcher in Japan for us that year as a 15 year old. Um, one of our catchers got hurt and he just came to us and said, I will catch every bullpen that needs to be caught as long as I'm not pitching. He was just like the most outstanding teammate that I've ever seen. Awesome, awesome kid. Um, so luckily, most of them are, are more along those lines. Um, you know, there, there's some natural, I think, uh, disappointment when you're in the fourth or fifth game of a tournament and it's never happened to you before in your life where you didn't see your name on a lineup card. There's some natural disappointment that comes along with it. Uh, I think it's really important for us to to lean on the personal relationships that we have with the kids when that happens. So we can pull them aside or grab them before a game and kind of let them know, hey, man, you're not in there today, but here's what we may need you to do later on. Or here's where we see you really impacting this team. Or this is what we need you to do so that we can go win that gold medal. And, yeah, there's there's some conversations like that that have to be had. But like I said, 99% of the time, it's the it's the Landon Sims of the world who just want to do whatever they can. That's right. You know, I, I wouldn't expect anything. It's not that I would be like, uh, but the point was like, you, you have those, you have those conversations before that essentially they, you kind of foresee like, here's what your role is going to be. It's not like, Oh, you're part of USA baseball. You essentially have quote unquote, their role kind of mapped out. I, I think um, yes and no. Like you have some ideas in, in your head and I mean, you can go back and look at the lineups and how they kind of moved and, and shaped during the course of the the 10 games that we played in, in Mexico this summer. The last lineup was not the first lineup. Sure. Um, and there are there are some things that t- changed during the, the course of that time. So, um, you know, checking in with those kids again, making sure that they understand why things are going on, what's going on, uh, et cetera, et cetera, is 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 important to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you walk in and, and you kind of you have some expectations that kids like Ethan Holiday are going to play a really good shortstop for you. Brady Evil mm-hmm. is going to be a lockdown third baseman for you. Um, you know, w- you know, we had a kid, Alex Harrington out of California, who's a really highly rated player in his class. He's a shortstop uh, committed to Stanford 
Um, he didn't play shortstop, man. He went and played left field for us. And then he came in and played second base for us. But he was just like, what, what, whatever I need to do. Like, I, I just want to win. I just want to win a gold medal. Uh, so, you know, kids like that are, are absolutely awesome. Absolutely, they are. Uh, just it, you just kind of sparked some. Honestly, they just like sparked some things because I love talking like lineup, like, and it's all philosophy based, you know. So it's just good for talking baseball and just kind of standing up on things that you go and because I'm sure you have to set a lineup for the strengths of your college program. Did that same philosophy come back to your USA team? that you just said, like you said, the lineup wasn't the same the first game, the 10th game, the, 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 how you built the lineup, say philosophy, what, are they the same? Or is, now that you have these X certain, like the best, essentially the best players in their age group, is this philosophy different? I, I think maybe a little bit of both, um, you know, where we, I, whenever lineup I'm putting together, whether it's at center with USA you know, I, I want my my best two guys to hit in the first three batters. You know, it doesn't matter whether they're fast or slow or power or whatever. I, the, those two guys that we want to have the most at bats in a game, the most at bats in the course of the tournament. I want those guys hitting first, second or third. And we, we, we did that. So, you know, Coy James was our leadoff hitter and uh, ended up playing center field for us. Again, another kid that plays middle infield at his high school in, in North Carolina, went and played center field and was the MVP of the World Cup as, as a center fielder leadoff hitter. Sweet. And Andrew Costello is just a, uh, just, a, just a hell of a bat out of Pennsylvania. And he's a really good catcher, just committed to Wake Forest. Um, hit third and he was all world as well. So we put them together and then we kind of moved around some pieces in the middle to kind of feel it out a little bit. Um, you know, I'm a believer. I like a guy that um, is a low strikeout guy um, relatively in the five hole. So we did carry that over a little bit and we had Brady Ebel hitting there some, we had John Short hitting there some. Uh, and then, and then you just play to the strengths of the lineup after that, you know, kind of, are you, are you re-kicking it with another leadoff guy? Are you able to string some more power guys through the 6-7 area? Um, it really just kind of depends on what the what the game needed that day. I like that. So, yeah, so uh, re So like, were you, uh, were you that guy? Like, are you thinking like the 7-hole re-kicks it or you think the 6-hole re-kicks it? Like if you have that kind of quick guy you're putting in the bottom where you're looking then because, you know, Old school wise, looking at the the nine hole is going to be re kick. You know, you kind of have the double leadoff guy. Yeah, I think it depends on your personnel. So, like uh, again, Alex Harrington was he's a kid that has some has some pop, but he hits leadoff for Canes National and mm -hmm. did all summer. I mean, kids had hundred at bats, two hundred at bats for Canes National as a leadoff guy. That was a great kid to hit in the six seven hole. Just depend on where we were that day, because if he had guys on in front of him, he was very comfortable driving guys in. And if he didn't, or he was leading off an inning, it's just like another leadoff guy to to hit there. So having kind of that natural, I guess maybe slash type player is is was was really good for us around that around that spot in the order. Mm, okay. Like yeah, being able to just like, I, and I, I'm a huge too. I'm a huge guy. I'll just like, who do I want? It's always a question of like, who do we want to get that fourth at bat? You know, like who do we want to get that that extra at bat here? You know what I mean? Like it's it just seems like that's always a, you know, because there's there's definitely certain things that like like no matter center you're at USA Baseball, like 
there's just like tell things in, in baseball, like why you've been successful. Yeah. And, and, and there, you know, there's, there's a ton of philosophies out there. Right. That's great. Like talking to, to Jeff Sherman about it, who's a huge hitting guru, you know, he's, he's our yeah. assistant coach, first base coach, and just kind of picking his brain on thoughts on the batting order or Steve Butler, you know, he's been around USA baseball so much and, and getting their thoughts on, on, you know, how to impact the order uh, this summer. It, it just, it almost makes you feel like you can't go wrong with it. Um, when you have the best players and you're getting great advice from, uh, from these really good coaches. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, it's just, it's hard to, <laughs> you know, hard to mess it up, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how the, like, certain things, certain pieces just fall into place, you know, yeah, even and, like, and the, like you said, at the, at the five hole, you know, like even just, that's a, that's a good, solid, good approach, you know, to the five hole. Someone would say, you know, again, this all philosophy of what, where that one might be, but that's a good one. Yeah. That, and that's just, that's just me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I trust that there's going to be guys on base in front of that guy. I don't want a 22, 24, 26% strikeout guy in the five hole. I want a, mm -hmm. like a 12% strikeout guy there that can drive the ball a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's fun. So yeah, sure, man. He is terms of terms of dude, man. He just, uh, I love his blend. I love his blending stuff that he does hitting wise. You know, he like blends with the med ball. He blends with the water bag, blends with the certain things that he's working on. Like does some great stuff hitting wise. He really does. And, um, you know, he's, he's a, he's a fun one to talk to because of his passion. Like he's <laughs> so passionate about hitting that, yeah. um, you know, you, you can basically just give him a prompt like, Hey man, talk to me talk to me about scissoring and he would go for 45 minutes and you just sit back and listen. Mm -hmm. Yep. You got to bring out the mad scientist. I'm sure with Marshall. Oh yeah. He does that. Yeah. <laughs> if he talks about scissoring, I'm sure. Uh, that's fun. That's good stuff. That's good. 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 Um, so, uh, you, so you strike me as, uh, definitely as more of a positional, you know, offensive guy. Um, not so much than a pitching guy. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just wondering, uh, as a, as the kind of your managerial, you know, roles and, and things like that is like how much, um, you know, cause you're dealing with the best, also let alone the best players in the country, you get to deal with like Jeff Sherman and, you know, just incredible coaches. How much are you like, even just talking to the to the pitching coach here and just kind of letting him do his thing. Um, like you said, just letting him call the pitches or like, you know, like the pitching move that you had to make there. Is that just based off of each other? And of course it always falls on the head guy, but like how much, you know, those pitching decisions and what you're doing, are you involved with or are you just or can hand them basically off? Yeah, so so Rob Shabansky is our pitching coach, and Rob has been involved, I think, with seven national teams. Wow. Um, he he is wow. he's the head coach at Gateway Community College out in Phoenix. Um, and I've known I've known Chubbs as as he's affectionately known uh for a really long time. So he was the pitching coach when I was an assistant coach with the team in Japan in 2016. Um, we've kept up ever since then. And when they asked me to be the manager, that was my first phone call was to mm -hmm. him. Like I I wanted him. I almost felt like I wasn't gonna be able to do it without him. Um, so he, he had 100% latitude pitch call wise. He called, I think every pitch in the tournament, I think I maybe asked him 
four or five, six times, like, Hey man, what do you have here? You know, pitch wise. And, and, you know, that was more like defensive positioning, um, you know, like that kind of stuff, but he did it all. Like I can't take one iota of credit for that pitching staff. He did 100% of it. And I was so comfortable with having him do that Mm -hmm. when it came to changes and who to get up in the bullpen, who's first out today, how are we going to play matchups? That was definitely like a two-headed monster. Him and I just working together to figure out how we wanted to attack, attack the day, and then you know when it when it was time to make a change to to put our heads together, say yeah, it's it's time to go get him and and bring in this other guy. And like, and again, the two-headed other two-headed monster is like, do you tr- do you try to find and do you try to because you've done this now for a while with USA Baseball? Do you try and find the the right people for center? Or you can still do that to kind of have run the same philosophy, or do you feel like you need is just is just different with the center? It's it's a lot the same. So you know, I should mention my two assistants as well. Taylor Valentine is our offensive assistant, runs our, our infield and does a lot with our base running. And then Ryan Gaines is our pitching coach. And Ryan's been with me now for six years, I think. Um, but Ryan was an all-American pitcher at Birmingham Southern. And uh, I recruited him out of high school. I've known him since he was 17 years old. And when I had to go hire a new pitching coach at center in 2017, I knew that he was trying to get into the business. Um, And so that was my first and only phone call to hire a pitching coach was directly to him. It was his first and only job that he's had out of college. But he knew the philosophy of what we do and the expectations that we have for our pitcher. He knew he knows the type of players that we're trying to recruit for that. Uh, so he calls pitches for us. He does most of the recruiting on the pitching side of it. And yeah, it's kind of like that same two headed monster we have here at center. Um, so it was, it was easy to work with Shabansky in that way. Cause that's the way Gaines and I work, you know, during the other, other months of the year here at center. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just pretty for, you know, really fortunate, you know, like, you know, where you're able to, not have to make so many different adjustments, you know, and it's, 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 it's still very, you know, but like just still have the same kind of philosophies and kind of do business the way you're like, you're comfortable. Doing. Yeah. And I, you know, what I do, and, and maybe this is for me more than them is I, I feed them information. So, you know, I'm tracking it. I'm keeping my chart. Um, you know, for USA, we've watched all the games that are on YouTube or we've watched them live. For our, you know, for our games at center, we're, we've watched the, you know, the, the previous games on streaming or, or gotten our scouting reports or whatever. And so I'm feeding them information just, hey, first pitch aggressive right here. Hey, he's a breaking ball out, will chase, can elevate. And I'm just putting little bugs in their ear to help them, you know, during during the course of an at bat. Um, and, you know, like I said, maybe that's more for me just to make me feel like I'm doing something and they don't really need it. Uh, but that, that's kind of the way we we work it. Cool. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just it's just great to be able to see. Like I think knowing how different they are, but then there's some similarities. And again, just having the feel between the two, and then you know being able to change hats and understand. Well, here's what's going to happen here. Because like for me, like especially like prime example is like when you go to the ABCA. When we're getting ready to go to the ABCA here, um, in a couple weeks. But it's like you know, especially as a high school coach. Or even a coach that's not a power five that, that doesn't have the budget. How do we change those things and make take the same kind of philosophy or what they're trying to do and get the same thing out of it? But like at our level, mm-hmm. 
you know, and it seems like you've really done a good job of that and just, you know, have a good feel for those kind of things, been able to like, here's USA baseball and like, here's what we're trying to do at center and trying to marry those two. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's really cool to see. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I'm sure young coaches who stay in it for a while have, have somebody that impacts their life and kind of affords them that opportunity to take, sink their teeth into something and, and kind of take control on it. Um, and that's really what I want to do for, for my assistants is give them that opportunity to learn what they're doing, control part of the game, understand why the, the game moves in this direction at, at that, at that time, because that's what was done for me when I was a young coach, you know, coach Jan Weisberg at, at Birmingham Southern, you know, had me coaching third base, had me working with the hitters, had me taking over the outfielding, taking over the catching, doing tons of the recruiting when I was a pretty young coach and didn't always know exactly what I was doing. Um, but I think it's important to bring bring the whole staff in and and make it a, a kind of a full uh, a full force, you know, by, by having those expectations and allowing guys to fail while they're doing that. I can remember a time last year we, we called fastball in on a guy and I was like, I was like, what, what do you have right here? He goes, fastball in. I was like, don't throw fastball in. And by that point, it was out of the pitcher's hand, and then it was over the left field wall. You know, that's that was it was a, a, a learning curve, you know, and, and those are the mistakes that are that are going to happen. And I made mistakes, too, coaching third base and, you know, working with hitters. So we, we want to afford those opportunities to our young coaches. Mm, for sure. What other, like, uh, I think along those terms, along that kind of, like, advice, um, you know, you kind of give it advice to like head coaches there. Um, is there any other kind of advice that you would have give to, um, you know, coaches beyond allowing your assistants to be assistants? Yeah. Um, you know, for, for, for assistant coaches, um, you know, my, my best advice is to um, show up and get to work like, you know, those two things are irreplaceable. And if you show up every day on time early and you are working your tail off at whatever your job is that day, maybe edging the infield, it may be recruiting, it, it you know, maybe fundraising, who knows. But if you're working your tail off at it and you continue to do that every day, then then you have a, a good future in this in this profession. I think I think the other thing for assistant coaches is realizing the power that you have as a conduit between the head coach and the and the players. So, like we talked about setting the vision before, um, I, I really think that assistant coaches are the ones that that the players look to to see are we are we carrying that out? You know, how is that done on a day to day basis? Are these guys doing what's what the program expects of them so that that it shows and, and we're going to do it too? Um, but they really help to sell that vision and, and reflect what the, uh, what, what the, what the team standards are going to be. Um, and then for the, for the head coach, you know, if, if I were advising, advising head coaches, man, I would just say my best success and, and maybe it's because it's fresh in my mind um, has come from setting really clear, really clear vision for what, what our team is, is going to do and kind of selling that for the players. This is what this is what's going to happen and this is how we're going to make that happen. And if we can talk that every day and believe that every day and work at it every day, then then you're you're moving towards 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 that goal. Um, but making that vision very clear for what you want to do uh, with the team and and what the standards are to to reach it. 
Going back to that vision there, like thinking about that, like does that change for you every year? It has to. Yeah. I mean, so like my first year here, center had won, I think, seven games the two two years before I got here. So we needed something really simple. And, you know, just this idea of of being competitive was the mm-hmm. first thing that we had to really hone in on. And, you know, we had guys that were more interested in the frat than the baseball team. Um, you know, if something bad happened in the course of practice or a game. They didn't know how to respond to it. They didn't really have a great understanding in how to compete. And so, you know, man, that's a really base level thing in our in our in our game is is. You know, there's 100, 150 pitches, 300 pitches in a game. How can you compete for every one of those? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that was kind of the first thing. And then, you know, we've kind of gone through several sets of that to like, you know, all right, now we are able to do that. Now the next thing is we're going to raise the bar, um, you know, raise the bar from where our standards and expectations were, raise the bar from winning a, a school uh, record number of games. Now, what's the next thing? We're going to continue to, to raise that bar um, to, to kind of where we are to where we are right now. So, yeah, it, it has to change every year. Okay, right. Now, I love that you said you did the, with your team. You, had, you called it the one mission. Do you give it do you give your you give your vision a name each year, too? Or is that just something that you did with the USA team? So it's something that I did with the USA team. And I think <laughs> you, if you look back at most USA teams, they most of them have um something informal like that with the team um you know so for for our team in 2016 it was the idea of uncommon just we are uncommon guys you guys are uncommon players we have an uncommon um goal in what we want to do going to japan to win etc etc so the the theme was uncommon um we haven't done it every year with our team at center, but it is something that I think I'm going to start doing more and more just because it solidifies whatever that idea is for, you know, for the team. What do we, what do we want to do this year? Um, and, and so it's something that we will, we'll start to incorporate more and more. Cool. Yeah. And I, I guess I know I'll follow up with that. Like what you were just saying there was when you talk about like what the team is going to do, is that something you have as a team meeting or is that something you discuss as staff or is that something like um, I'm, I'm setting the, I'm setting the course here. Yeah. Um, it's it. And I don't mean this to sound uh, dictatorial or egotistical in any, in any way, but it starts here, man. It has to. And, you know, a friend of mine through USA is Jared Halpert. Jared's the head coach at, at Harvard Westlake out in California and, you know, they've had all kinds of success and sent all these guys to the big leaguers, big leagues. Uh, and Jared's a very, he is, he's uh, very blunt. He's very in your face. And I absolutely love that about him. We have a great appreciation for each other. And we were talking about team chemistry one time and he was like, don't give me this BS about team chemistry. And I was like, what do you mean, man? Like it, you know, I was kind of in the back of my mind thinking it's something that has to be built, has to be gained. He's like, here's the deal. Team chemistry starts and ends with you, bud. Like you set it, you set the course for it. The team is going to respond how how you are at practice, how you are in games, how you are in a classroom. That's where your team chemistry starts and ends. I was like, whoa, like that's kind of a novel idea. They're really, really going to focus in on every action and word that that I present to them. Um, so when it comes to this idea of you know what our what our foundation foundational thought for the year is going to be. It, it really it really starts and ends right here. 
almost like a extreme ownership. You know, extreme ownership is just a matter of everything starts and ends with me, you know, taking responsibility for all of those things. Like you said, it's essentially what your buddy was saying. That's kind of like how I kind of took it. You know, the ownership of chemistry was through me. I know Bush Chavin, because Bush Chavin talks a lot about it. It's not a leadership problem. It's a team king chemistry problem. Yeah. He talks talks a lot about that. Yeah. No, and I'm I'm a big believer in it. So, yeah, I mean, my job then is to understand what that vision is and then – and then really set the course for how to how to create buy-in for that. Like we we have to we have to set the hook, and um, the guys have to want to make the choices on the daily that are going to support that team idea, whatever it might be. One mission, show up and work. You know, uncommon. They they have to make the choices that that are going to uh, support that. Kind of like we were talking about earlier, the T-shirt that says you know, one mission doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the actions that support that idea that are really important. So my job is to take that idea, sell that to them and get them to make the decisions on the daily basis that are going to support the idea. Mm -hmm. It's above the line. Yeah. Right below the line. No doubt. You know, and setting those things, what is, what is it, what those things look like? That's the next step of it. For sure. Hmm. Oh, that's awesome. We're getting, I know we're already getting away at like almost an hour and a half in here. <laughs> um, <laughs> dude, that's wild. Uh, man, that's good. Uh, shoot. Um, I don't know. I, I want to respect your time. So, I'll coach this. It's kind of wrapping things up. Like, if there's one thing, like, let's say we haven't got into that you'd really like to like, like talk about or advice about or maybe something that you know, we would, uh, um, just as as we're coming here, I'm gonna kind of put this on you. Is thinking, what would you like in this situation? <laughs> I like it, man. <laughs> I like you putting it in my in my shoes. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that that has really come to me in the last year or so, um, and, and that maybe this is helpful to young coaches out there, guys that get really stressed in certain situations. Um, you know. The, the game, the game will continue. The game will go on whether you win or you lose. And I really want to win. And I, I wanted to win a gold medal. And I was I was really competitive in my mindset in order to go and do that. Um, you know, but if it didn't happen this summer, I, I think I was also going to be able to, to lay my head on the pillow at night and not not lose much sleep because I, I did everything in my power to go and do it. Like I, I gave my all to USA baseball this summer with the way that I scouted and the way that I prepared and the way that we, you know, went about building the team and the staff that we put together. Um, yeah, it, it, it would have been, it would have been some heartache, but I, I think it wouldn't have caused a black mark on my heart. And I think as coaches, a lot of times we get so caught up in the winning and the losing um, that we allow it to affect our personality and probably to affect the impact, uh, the impact that we're having with, with the young people that are around us. So um, you know, just in the last year or so, I've become more resolute in my um, kind of um, desire and, and um, standard of making sure that I'm continuing to have that impact and not living and dying with the win and the loss record as much as I am making sure that the relationships are solid and that we're doing the things that we got into this um, into this profession to do. Coach Drew Brees, just giving us some great information. 
loving it. Glad to just love the whole conversation. Flowed well. A lot of good things. Just um, loving this, just way the communication was. Even just communicate throughout the whole setting. He he talked about setting a clear vision twice. Um, one thing that's one thing that came above from just the gold standard and knowing the vision created by the directors, then handed down to the veteran coaches, how they're then giving it to the the newer guys and newer coaches. And essentially, like, then it's his advice at the end about head coaches setting the clear vision, what they're going to do. I mean, after we got done talking and just thinking about how it starts and ends with him and being able to talk about the vision, how the vision changes. Uh, so the communication piece is very clear, and even throughout it, building those relationships, it really just comes down to the communication piece of talking to the, to the students, talking to the players, talking to them about more than just baseball. How's your body doing? I love that. Story. How's your body holding up right now? And getting outside of those things and building that relationship, you know, again, coming from great communication is definitely a telltale sign of a great coach um, and how people are and how they're just able to get the most out of players. Uh, loved his, uh, loved to just talk a talk lineup uh, and just a really unique thing about we're on the same page about just playing more, scrimmaging more, understand that, you know, if guys are have, have time to practice, they're going to scrimmage, they're going to play, put people in game situations, you know, preparing them. We want our guys to be prepared, so we need to prepare them for the game, for what they're going to be held accountable for. Um, just a overall great conversation, and Coach Breeze, I just can't thank you enough. Can't thank you guys for hanging out with us uh, here again, uh, episode 115. Um, but it's a lot of fun. This didn't. It's it's just a lot of fun, and and like me and Coach Breeze, we sat on the sat on the call and and uh, just continue to talk and talk baseball. And I can't wait to the next conversation we have and. Um, and uh, looking forward to our, our next conversation and, and continue to help grow the game and just help us get better. So until then, keep getting better. <laughs>